Oh, uh, Miss, Mr. John can help with that. Mom and dad, if you want to help with that a little bit too, then that'd be great. Um, and I could actually use somebody's help to help me move the table because I forgot to do that at the front end. You got it? All right. Thanks, man. Let's just slide it over here, okay? There we go. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right, there you go. Yeah, squeeze in. If you need to sit on the floor or go up a little bit, that's fine. There's tons of room and we can make lots of space. So thank you guys so much for coming. I know that um, it can be its own practice and exercise to sit still and to try to figure out how to play quietly. So we're going to take just a minute here. And then when I'm done, I'm going to send you back and I'm going to ask your parents to kind of stand up so that you can see them and you can find your way back, okay? And if you get lost or need help, you can ask Miss Bridget um, or someone else that you know and trust to help you find your mom and dad, okay? Um, Our scripture today, it's a short one. So it's one that's really easy to remember. And it's one that really summarizes a huge amount of God's love for you. It comes from John chapter 16, verse 33. And it says this. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And here's what I want to focus on today, okay? Can you look at me right here? He says, in this world, you will have trouble. And that's not exactly good news, right? Who likes trouble? Raise your hand. Yeah, some of you like to make trouble. Uh Uh-huh, I know what's going on. So then maybe this is to your parents. In this world, you will have trouble. Um, But Jesus says this wonderful thing. He says, take heart. It's like, be encouraged. Don't be afraid. For I have overcome the world. There's a really cool fairy tale that I love by a man named George MacDonald called The Princess and the Goblin. So I'm going to give you a little summary of it, but you should ask your parents to read it to you or listen to it on an audiobook or something because it's awesome. Um, but it starts out with a princess named Irene a long time ago in a kingdom far, far away. Irene lived in a mysterious castle that one day she found a stair that she'd never seen before. And it was a magical stair that led high up into a tall, tall tower where she met her great, 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 great grandmother. We'll just call her the grandmother to keep it short and simple. And her magical grandmother loved her very deeply. And during one of her visits, she gave Irene a magical string that she said will always lead her back to her grandmother no matter what, even if it goes on a little bit of a roundabout way. Now, it's important to know that Irene lives in a land that is plagued by goblins and goblin creatures. And many days go by between when she last saw her grandmother and got the string and this particular night that we're going to talk about now. You see, she hadn't been able to find the mysterious stair again. And so one night, she'd left the window open to let in a cool breeze and a fearful goblin beast entered her room through the window. And terrified, Princess Irene reaches immediately for the string that her grandmother gave her, expecting to be led straight back to safety and to escape her fear. However, she's surprised to learn that the string actually leads her not 
to the mysterious stair, but guess where it does lead her? Outer door. And into the very darkness that the goblin beast came in from. And then it doesn't just lead her outside, but it leads her to a mountain. And then it leads her up the mountain. And then to a cave. And then into a cave. And then deep, deep, deep down into the cave. Now, how many of you would be happy late at night on a mountainside by yourself deep dark in a cave? Yeah, a few of you. The same troublemakers we've found before, I know. Yeah, but not many. And Princess Irene certainly wasn't. However, once she gets down there, she follows the string, and it leads all the way up to a wall. And it's too dark to see. She can't see anything more. And so she stops at the wall, and she thinks, what has my grandmother done? Where am I? And all the fears start to come into her mind. There are goblins out here, and goblins live in caves in the mountains. I'm just a little kid. What am I doing here? It's too dark. I'm too small. And the problem is too big. And Irene almost gives up. But then you know what she does? She starts to remember her grandmother. And she remembers how she feels when she's in her grandmother's presence. And she remembers how much her grandmother loves her. And she remembers the joy of what it is to be known and to be held and to be loved. And then she remembers the promises that her grandmother made. That the string, even if it goes in surprising and roundabout paths, will always, ultimately, lead Irene back to her grandmother. And so you know what Irene begins to do? She follows the string to the wall, and then she starts to dig. Her fingers tire, and they bruise, and they wear down, and they even begin to bleed. But she keeps going. And then she finds that the string actually doesn't stop at the wall, but there's a tiny hole through the wall. And so she digs around it, and she digs around it further and further and further until she finds that she can break through the wall itself and that the string leads all the way through to the other side where there's a young miner who had found his way into the mountain, and he'd found the home of the goblins. And then he had found even a way to defeat them. And so then Irene and this young miner continue to follow the string. And the string leads them to sneak past the goblin guards. And then it leads them to sneak through a secret exit out to the mountainside again. And then it leads them through all the way back down the mountain and back to the castle. And then all the way back where, do you think? Up the stairs. And to the grandma. That's right, there the miner tells the king about what he discovered about the goblins and the king runs out and he and all of his knights and guards destroy all the goblin threat and Irene is back again with her grandmother. You see, because Princess Irene followed her grandmother's string through her struggles, rather than just escaping them, she was able to have peace and hope even in the midst of this trouble. So why am I telling you this? Is this because fairy tales are true? Well, there's one author named Neil Gaiman who paraphrasing another man named G.K. Chesterton said that fairy tales are more than true. Not because they tell us the dragons, or in this case, goblins exist, but because they tell us that dragons and goblins can be beaten. 
You see, I think we have the same kind of problem that Princess Irene can often have. If we see a goblin or a challenge or a struggle or something that's pain or sad or hard in our lives, do we often want to go, all right, let's tackle it? No, we usually want to run away. We want to hide, except for maybe some of you. Yeah. Well, and that's the beautiful thing. Because that's what our story tells us. And that's what Jesus tells us here. Do you remember what he says? In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Because I have tackled all the goblins. Because in me, you can be free. And then even when we follow Jesus, we are able to be safe and to fight back and to press into our troubles and our struggles as well. Is it because we are mighty and strong enough? We might want to think so. But no, it's because we have one who is and one whom we can trust. That's exactly who Jesus is. And that's what Christmas is even. In Jesus, God, because of the great love which he has for us, enters into our world into our trouble, into our sin, and overcomes it for us. He doesn't take us out of it, but he comes alongside us in the midst of it. And so with that, our call, just like Princess Irene, is to follow the string. And our call is to follow Jesus, the one who leads us back home as well. All right, guys, you can stand on up and look around to find mom and dad and find your way back to them or to someone else who can help you find your way back to them. That's right, we skated there together, yeah. And John, would you help me move the table back? Thanks, man. Um, as they go and we do this, there we go. Oh, you can leave all that, that's no big deal. Yeah, thank you very much. I want to draw us back to our scripture because these words, though simple and accessible, they're not just for the kids. But when Jesus spoke these words, if you recall, this was on the night that he was betrayed. This was when he was in the upper room with his disciples. Actually, technically, they had probably left the upper room and were walking together on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, where his betrayal was about to happen. We've got all of John 15, the I am the vine, you are the branches. And then we find ourselves here in John 16. Just at this moment as they enter in. And in fact, these are probably the last words of their walk together before Jesus then turns and goes into prayer. And these words that he speaks to the disciples again are, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I want you just to think through again, for those of you who may have be, may be small group leaders or just have been in a small group or just know what it is to try to lead a family or just others around you. 
At that breaking point, when you know you're about to go and it's time to say goodbye and challenges are about to come, these are the moments when you're saying your most important things. And so just before Jesus turns from his disciples to his heavenly Father, this is what he says to them. In this world you will have trouble or tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. I'm bringing this down to us and anchoring it in because if you scroll through social media or just talk with friends or the conversations that we have one with another, um, we say things like, oh, I hope this year's way different than this last one. I'm so glad to be leaving 2022 behind. This is gonna be so different and so much better. Um, but we've all lived through 2020 and then 2021 and then 2020. We know it's not going to get that much better. But we have this instinctive thought that maybe this new beginning will be our escape. Maybe this will be when I can finally get away from or those other things will leave me behind or I can finally turn and do things differently or this time I'm really going to get it. And the heartbreaking thing that I think we have to face when we come into this is, though we might set our hopes in escape, God, Jesus, never sets escape as the thing that we should look to for our comfort. Just like Princess Irene's grandmother, God knows that what we need most is not escape, but his presence and his love. And again, that's who Jesus is. It's not him whisking us away to have some health, wealth, and prosperity where, oh, we believe in him, so now everything's just gonna click and it's all gonna go beautifully. We shouldn't believe that, but we do. But rather, in this world, you will have trouble. And so we need a savior. So what we're gonna consider is the ways that here in John and that the author John builds us up through the rest of the book, through the gospel, sets us up to understand exactly what this means and what Jesus is doing here. The first thing that we're gonna look at is just this part, in this world you will have trouble. What does it mean to follow the string to really follow Jesus in the midst of all these things? Well, the first thing that it means is that we boldly face our troubles. You recall in the story, the string doesn't lead away. It leads Princess Irene out into the night. And it doesn't do that in a foolish way, and if we're to stretch this and kind of see the meaning that's hidden within it, it's not in a way that blinds us or hides us. God doesn't say, in this world you will have trouble, so close your eyes and turn away. And plug your ears and pretend it's not happening. And create your own safe, insulated version of everything, and then you can just become this, you know, insulated enclave. Nobody turns us right around. Because God himself never turns away from our struggle, our pain, our need, our brokenness. Rather, he turns and looks it dead in the eyes and faces it and enters directly and immediately in. You see this everywhere from Genesis chapter one 
um, through three when he sets his beautiful creation up and then mankind destroys it and then he looks at the serpent and he curses him. And he speaks to Adam and Eve and describes exactly the consequences of what they'll have to face. But for our purposes, even if we just consider the very opening of the book of John, the darkness is no surprise. It says in chapter one, verses four, in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It is not just some victory march of everything's going to be easy now. It's a flashbang being thrown in into the midst of the darkness to suddenly reveal and blind and startle and begin the conflict. A little bit further down, he says, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. The darkness is not a surprise, and Jesus is not here to pretend that it would no longer be, but rather he is entering into the midst of it to say, yeah, but even so, here I am. Here is the love of God, and here is light and hope, even for you who are in darkness. We can build this out in so many more ways, but This morning, I just want you to see that because of that, we don't have to turn away from our sin or our troubles either. And this means that we actually can stop trying to escape it. So how do you try to escape? Through drink, through distraction, through sex, through busyness, through meeting whatever needs, you don't have to anymore because we have a Savior who has faced it for us and so you can face your darkness too. Part of what this means is that you can pause and you don't just have to clean it up and fix it and find all the solutions. We all know, just talk to a dad. I'm a dad, that's what we do. We wanna fix stuff. You bring me a problem, boom, I'm gonna get you a solution. But this actually invites us instead to say, oh, well, God is our solution, and so we can, we can pause and we can actually get to know our problem. We can open up the closet doors and see what's hiding in there. We can do this both even in our individual lives to name and lament what's been going on by considering and looking at our past, even just knowing our stories, but then to know the darker parts of our stories. The losses, the failed dreams, the personal traumas, the experience of abuse, physical, emotional, spiritual, sexual, whatever. The brokenness is there. It can be hard to look at it. But because we have a savior who says, no, in this world you will have trouble. We don't have to fear it and we can know it. The stalemated family arguments or estrangements, the social or relational challenges of all the disagreements and polarizations that have happened, the ways that we just see our own heart more clearly or sometimes the way that we see the heart of another more clearly. 
And we don't have to shy away from naming it or having it named for us. But we can stand there and said, even then, corporately, we can name and lament the brokenness. Whether that's through broader organizations or through even something as large as our country or even just our church. And just for example, I'm gonna focus in on EP because brothers and sisters, we as a church have plenty of darkness. But being firmly rooted and grounded in the love of our Savior Jesus Christ gives us the ability to not just cover over it, though we really like to, and not to just do what God brutally convicted his people of doing through the prophet Isaiah saying that you have said peace, peace when there is no peace and that you have healed the wounds of my people lightly. But we can look at the ways of our patterns of failed leadership and the effects that they've had on us when we've looked at people who should lead us well and they've let us down and that hurts. Those of the past or even some of us, those in the present. We can also then stand on this mercy of Jesus Christ and then we can look at not just the leaders, but we can look at ourselves and do what Israel should have done when they saw King Saul and all of his failures and say, why did we want him as king? Why were we satisfied with this? Why were we drawn to that? Because brothers and sisters, our work is not done even as a church. And we can look at what is coming with joy and hope and ambition and excitement, but we can also we can also look at the sadness and the brokenness and the pain because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. We can see the ways that whether individually or corporately we have this instinct to hide any of our present struggles behind our history and reputation of health and prosperity. But brothers and sisters, these things we've listed, they're real troubles. They're not going away just because we roll over the calendar. They will last with us. And it is right to name them. And it is right to lament them, even as we cannot fix them on our own. And so don't be afraid of the weight of them. They are more than you can carry. They are bigger than you can handle or get your arms around and fix. And the weight of it will crush you. But that's because you were never meant to actually carry the fullness of it to begin with. And that's exactly why we have our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, he says the most shocking thing immediately after that. But take heart. Because again, no one who is looking to follow a savior wants the savior to say the things that Jesus first said. In this world, you will have trouble. You follow a savior because you want the savior to say, in this world, all your troubles are done. But Jesus says, even as you look at them, take heart. And I want to pause here as well. Because just as the author of the Gospel of John and just as God himself and Jesus Christ himself set up his followers to understand that there will be trouble, so also they have been progressively set up to understand that there is a solution 
and that Christ himself brings it. But before we even get to that, I just want you to flip back to John um, chapter 1, verse 20, where we are introduced to John the Baptist. John the Baptist says one of the most powerful things. He's built up this huge ministry. He is the first prophet in over 400 years, and the people are doing this shocking thing. They're actually listening to him. And they're coming to him and they're starting to say crazy things like, who are you? Are you the one? Is this the moment we've been waiting for? Will you lead us back into prosperity? And John looks at them and he says one of the most disappointing things, but also one of the truest things that all of us must say. In 1 verse 20, you can imagine him lifting up his arms and just saying, guys, I am not the Christ. Because he wasn't. And I am not. And John Wood is not. And your elders and deacons, they are not. And you, you are not. And yet, woven throughout the whole rest of Jesus' ministry are these gentle invitations and hints and bold proclamations where he says in chapter 6, verse 35, 48, and 51, I am the bread of life. And then Jesus says in chapter 8, verse 12, and then 9, verse 5, I am the light of the world. And then in chapter 10, verses 7 and 9, I am the door which protects and keeps out and keeps in the sheep. And then in 10, verses 11 and 4, I am the good shepherd who cares for all of these. And then in verse 11, chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. And then in 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then in chapter 15, I am the true vine, building all the way up to this moment. And then if you follow the Apostle John, and as I preached on several weeks back, the centrality of who Jesus Christ is becomes the core theme of all of everything throughout the rest of the New Testament. And then clarifies for all who are following this core themes of all of what the Old Testament and all the law and the prophets had been building to at this point. If you look in the book of Revelation, these epic statements of Jesus coming back and saying, behold, I am the one who was alive and who died and now lives forevermore and holds the very keys of death and hell itself. The one who upon his coronation and the making of all things new says that he will wipe away all tears and death and sickness and sorrow will be no more. And then he instructs John to write these things down for they are trustworthy. You see, Jesus has given us this string to follow Not in a way that would remove us from all of our struggle, but that reminds us, I am the one you can trust. I am true. I am loving. I am merciful. And even as I am just, I am gracious and I am kind. And so in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. For I have overcome the world. So what this means for us is that just as none of your problems are going away with 2022, all the things that are true about Jesus Christ and about God's love for you embodied in him, they will stay true last year and this year and forevermore 
until he comes in his fullness to proclaim his kingdom. And so finally, this last portion, I have overcome the world, means that we can take the next step in our life, in our faith, in our spheres of influence, in our vocations that God has set before us. If you look ahead just a little bit in John, like I mentioned before, there's this turning point. His ministry up until this moment and his crucifixion. Then the the Last Supper, which is what John chapter 15 and 16, and then kind of the, the walk from the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is chapter 16. And then in chapter 17, we have Jesus's prayer. And he prays for the disciples, but also, beautifully, he prays for you and me and for all who would come after. And if you look in verses 14 and following, let me read this here. Because again, we are not saved to withdraw, brothers and sisters. We follow a Savior who is overcoming, even as he has overcome and whose ultimate moment of overcoming is yet to come. And so we are called to follow, perhaps fearfully, but follow, perhaps boldly, but follow, perhaps into the cave of the goblins, but follow, perhaps up to the wall, but we must then dig in and tear it down because we are called to follow. Because look at what he has prayed for us. Verse 14, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Brothers and sisters, this is so hard. It really is. But just like the young princess Irene, was given a string to follow, we have been given God's word. And we can yet follow it. And just like that string led her on a direction, listen, even those of you who are very young and were sitting on the steps before, you are a part of God's mission. And he will lead you and he will be with you and he will equip you and he will walk with you and he will fight for you. Because you are not here to be withdrawn from the world, but just like Jesus Christ was sent as a blazing light into the darkness, brothers and sisters, so are you. And just like he came in not to conquer and to level everyone beneath him, but to lay himself down and to surrender his own rights and to exhaust all of his resources on the behalf of the others, so are you. And so in this world, you will have trouble. But as you look at a new year, take heart, for Jesus Christ has overcome the world. 
And whether we're talking in the grand meta-narrative scheme of things, or whether we're just talking in, well, it's Sunday, January 1st, 2023, begin again. The promises of our Savior are true. So though you may be tempted to put your hope in escaping trouble or numbing trouble or hiding from trouble, God's response to our problem is that rather than escaping, he enters in with us, giving us the very person of Jesus Christ. And so our call, young or old, is to follow Jesus by facing our troubles, remembering who he is, and taking these next steps of faith. And please pray with me now. Lord God, we thank you for your goodness and for your care. Lord, our hearts would turn so many ways. And even, Lord, as we follow you into the darkness, we are yet prone to look at the darkness and say, oh no, what have I done? And Lord, even there, we are prone to look at you and say, oh no, what have you done? And yet, Lord, even there, teach our hearts to cry that out boldly and clearly. Not so that we might distance ourselves from you, but that in our cry of lament, we might be drawn all the closer to you to say, what are you doing? Where are you leading us? How long, O Lord? As a way to grip the string all the more tightly. Because we are little. And yet, Lord, you are not. And so teach our hearts to follow you. Holy Spirit, teach our hearts to take heart because we cannot on our own. But you have overcome the world. Give us the mercy to know how to follow. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.